My biggest problem with Democrats, call it, considering myself one of them, and this trickles then into media narratives, is that Democrats judge policies based on their intentions rather than their results. And then if you criticize the results, they treat you like you are a critic of the intention. If you criticize some of the specific results coming out of these curriculums or saying that I don't think this is even actually going to help fight systemic racism, they will tell you, you don't believe systemic racism exists. And that is so frustrating. Um, so we have to be able to have a conversation that both acknowledges systemic racism and has a healthy debate about the, the specifics in certain curriculums. And that is the point. That is why we have two, peop two white people talking about race right now, because we <laughs> have to talk about it. You know, so if you don't talk about this, it just bottles up and it's shitty. And I felt you feel well, it all the if time. If you don't talk policy. about this, you just get people who get so ingrained in their own narrative that they don't yeah. realize that the other side is fighting something completely different. You're like you're yes. not even you're you're not arguing on the same plane. We're not arguing about the same things. We're having totally different conversations. Welcome back to Yang Speaks, your special Thursday episodes. This is your Thursday update. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, I told you guys we're working on some things for the fall. Over the summer, I'm gonna try some, we're gonna try something new on Thursdays. I think you all are going to like. Um, we talked about having Carly on, but we haven't really identified what we're going to do. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna target like a tight 30 minute update on essentially narratives in our mainstream media right now. Frankly, what narratives are being covered and when they are wrong, what's not getting through. Um, there's so many times where the right says one thing, the left is saying another. And I think unless you're a rabid fan of either of those sides, you're kind of stuck in like, where the hell do I go for news? Um, and Carly, we've lived this personally and professionally on the Yang campaign and also on the mayor's race, at least from the, um, just knowing and being close with the Yangs. Um, and we've seen how the media does this ourselves, and I think we have a unique voice here and can help you all. So both for the world and for our audience, we are excited about this. And Carly and I are going to break this down for you. Try to shoot for 30 minutes. If we go over, we'll figure it out. But um, it's not a harsh timeline, but we want to keep it tight for you guys. You know, we know you're busy. Anyway, Carly Riley, welcome back. How are we doing? Doing well. Doing well. I'm really excited about this. I think... Uh... There are a few who are more frustrated by media narratives than you and me. <laughs> this is true. And uh, excited that we're going to take them on. Well, what's fun is also um, we were debating what we wanted to start with, and we're going to start off with a bang. Um, just going to go right in um, because today's topic, I wanted to start, we both wanted to start with something that everybody's talking about. That everyone has some form of opinion um, and it's something that's polarizing. So we're going to talk about today critical race theory. Um, so I'm gonna set this up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it to Carly to kind of break this down for us. But here's what seems to be happening. Critical race theory is all over the news. Both MSNBC and Fox, the left media, the right media, they're all covering it. And the narratives that are coming out are not fun or easy to digest. Essentially, and this is the, gonna be the layman's version we're gonna dive in, but the right seems to be saying that critical race theory is anti-American and destroying America. Um, 
And the left is saying that critical race theory is essential and that those who don't understand it or don't want to talk about it um, are unable to see the systemic racism in this country. Um, and it's a very divisive topic. I actually push back on that. I think that the, the narrative on the left is that we're not even critical race theory is not actually what we're talking about here and that the right is wrong to be calling things critical race theory. Either way, I feel like if you're the right, you hate it. And if you're left, you're not allowed to criticize it because if you do, you're, you feel like you're a racist or doing something um, against what um, uh, Democrats are supposed to be fighting for, let's say. And I think as usual, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And one of the things, and I'll, I'll say this kind of the first episode, but as we do this, I don't want you to come to us all the time for just like our opinions. What I want to do is kind of a breakdown of the news and what um, you guys are adults. Make your own decisions and based on um, the facts coming out of these narratives or that are being ignored by these narratives. So, um, so Carly, can you help us understand maybe like basic, maybe start us with like the high level definition of critical race theory and then where these narratives are kind of going left, right and sideways? Sure. Um, I actually think, and I will, I'll, I'll kind of loosely define it, but I think that the narrative that I see missing right now in this conversation, honestly, or the points that I see not being made um, is actually that the definition of critical race theory is sort of besides the point. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll dive into that. So broadly speaking, critical race theory is a legal framework for looking at how our current systems interact with race. You could say like a legal framework for looking at systemic racism. Right. And it's, it's been taught, right? it's academic. It's been taught in law schools for decades. And it's high level academics as in like, you know, for older people. And, and that is important. That becomes kind of very central in the democratic narrative that exists right now. So let's start where everyone seems to agree, which is that all this talk about critical race theory in the mainstream seems to stem back to this one guy, Chris Rufo, who's a conservative journalist, documentarian, who last year became familiar with these anti-racism trainings that were happening within different federal agencies that were saying things like, you know, meritocracy itself is white supremacist and values like individualism is white supremacist, uh, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, and then a whole bunch of other things right around systemic racism and privilege, et cetera. And Chris Rufo, the narrative seems to go according to both sides is outraged by what he's seeing here. He goes on Fox news quite famously and is on Tucker Carlson's show and demands that president Trump uh, ban critical race theory as part of uh, trainings for federal, federal employees. So Trump does that. Biden comes into office and reverses Trump's ban on critical race theory. And that's when the fight really moves to the schools. And that's when Chris Rufo starts working with Republicans around the country to write legislation banning critical race theory in schools, in curriculums around the country. And here's what's interesting. So the, the reaction that Democrats seem to have had to this whole thing has been to take this line of it's stupid to call this even critical race theory. This isn't critical race theory. Critical race theory is this high, you know, level academic thing that is taught in law schools. Obviously, we're not teaching that to elementary school students. And like, that's true. But also to me feels like it's very much missing the point because it's not, 
like the point here is about the curriculum and what we're teaching. And so being like, Nana, you're, you've made this intentional effort to make everything bad critical race theory. It feels besides the point to me, but that seems to be what's being hammered. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Critical race theory was essentially written by two individuals in the 90s, a couple decades ago. Derek Bell and Kimberly Crenshaw. In that document, if you're a Republican reading it, um, I don't think you would agree. You would disagree as strongly as they are right now if you actually read what they wrote, because they also talk, they talk about systemic racism and things. They also talk about um, material interest and structural poverty and um, things that a lot of uh, a lot of us can agree upon. Like, hey, a lot of our schools are not funded very well. Like, period. Yeah, right. Like, there's things that they are talking about that is bigger than ba- just basically the they're fight saying, we're hey, now. we should be concerned with the material well-being of minorities and the way in which our legal systems keep minorities from from material well-being rather than linguistic debates right like if it, it, the the point i think summarized is like if we get every white person to stop ever saying or singing the n word or whatever you're still going to have the wealth gap and so like what really have we accomplished and and i think there's you know that that goes to i think something that speaks that you and I agree with in terms of not that we think people should be saying the N-word, but that like a universal basic income is such a more powerful tool than so many of the other debates we end up having in the quote unquote discourse. Um, because right. it well, actually they, they even talk about my point was that in CRT, they actually get to talking about solutions and policies as opposed to just rhetoric. And that so it's it's the whole thing to me is ironic. We're like <laughs> we're debating over how terrible CRT is, but no one's ever actually read what they are. And therefore, we're not actually debating critical race theory. We're debating at its core what's getting taught to children and then what we're allowed to talk about. And we should say this. Critical race theory is a is a body of scholarship. So there's not one thing. This is why you actually can't define it because, Zach, you're right that in some of the early days and the early iterations of critical race theory, that's what was being discussed. But it, it 
you've had other scholars weigh in and other scholars focus on other things and also That's true. It's a body do of that under the umbrella of critical race theory. So this is why you really can't get to a definition of what this is because it's a body of scholarship with people saying a whole bunch of different things about what it is. So my hopes of making this simple for everybody is, uh, are, have, have been dashed. Have, and I think that's okay because I think it doesn't effing matter. Yes, it doesn't matter. Okay, keep going. So, okay, so you have... A big blow up that happens in Loudoun County in Pennsylvania. And this is what you're hearing a lot about. And if you're seeing um, clips of parents like screaming and being like on either side of this, but being like, how dare you teach my kid that because they're black, they're always oppressed. And because they're white, they're out there inherently racist. That's probably from this Loudoun County school board meeting or meet series of meetings that have happened because of some proposed changes to the Loudoun County curriculum. So the daily covers this as part of the their daily coverage podcast. in general, yeah, the daily podcast covers this as part of their general coverage on like what is critical race theory. And what I found so striking was they keep it. The whole episode kept it sort of very high level and they didn't at any point get into the specifics of what, the proposed curriculum was is in Loudoun County, which feels to me like what we actually should be talking about, not like what is the definition of critical race theory. So I want to just, the conclusion that is formed in this daily episode is that basically the fight over critical race theory is a fight between two camps. The first camp that's, call it in favor of critical race theory, though those are the same people who are being like, this isn't actually critical race theory. Republicans are creating a straw man, boogeyman to attack. And it's not even what this is. Like, they're so stupid, right? That same camp um, are the people who are willing to admit that systemic racism exists and that, that it's something we need to tackle and something we need to teach our kids and that for too long, our education system has completely, has treated racism like it's something in the past and we need to fix that, et cetera, et cetera. So the daily is saying that's the people who are in one camp of this and the people on the other camp of this are and, and the way they do it, it feels very much like are the people who are unwilling to acknowledge systemic racism and are um, unwilling to grapple with the idea that America isn't the perfect bastion of meritocracy that they once thought and that they themselves may be a part of a problem. They really paint it like people who are kind of unwilling to face and the feeling you get is like the reality about America. And I can give you the exact quote. Yeah, can you give the quote? Is, is Michael Barbara, who's the host of The Daily, says, so at its core, this is about, and that this is the fight over critical race theory. So at its core, this is about whether a large group of Americans, mostly white, but not all white, can or should accept the idea that racism is not merely historical, not simply a relic, but something very present and systemic and something they need to take responsibility for. And then the guest responds, yes, that's right. So they've, they've summarized this as being, this is a fight about whether or not people will take responsibility for systemic racism. What is frustrating to me when you hear that is that I'm of the camp where, and I think a lot of, I would argue that the majority of Americans are in this camp where like systemic racism exists. We have structural problems in this country um, that are advantaging certain races, advantaging white races over, over black races. Like you go down the list. At the same time, you can still think that teaching a child that competition and meritocracy is inherently racist um, is a bad thing. I think those are things that made America fantastic. Um, and yeah, I agree. The I think Daily's arguing real. that we can't talk about it without, like, if I take the other side of that, that I'm racist and I'm, no, so, I'm, so, so, I'm acknowledging the, there's no systemic racism. And I don't this think is that's the fair. needle that needs to be thread, right? 
And this is help, the, help the part of the conversation that, that I feel listening. like isn't being said. <laughs> you have, and this is what I'll, I'll end up repeating this over and over again. I feel like as we have these conversations, because I think it's what you see very consistently, which is you have you have Democrats focusing on a, a macro narrative. You have them saying systemic racism exists. We should be teaching this. And then you have Republicans focusing on a micro narrative, which is, okay, well, third graders in Cupertino were asked to rank themselves and their classmates according to their privilege, which, you know, it just means according to like race features, which is bizarre and reductive and doesn't take into account all sorts of other dynamics and a fan, like all these other things that can make somebody privileged or not. And it's also just a really weird way to start training third graders to think, to think, in my opinion. And as somebody who very much believes in systemic racism. So you have Republicans focusing on these like micro examples of things in curriculum that feel to a lot of us as being quite off. And, and so you have these two groups talking past each other because we're not arguing about the same things. And, and it's so frustrating to me that the New York, the New York Times in this daily episode, and I, I take the New York Times because again, they're held up as still like the gold standard of journalism in a lot of camps. So, you know, you know, you're getting that narrative or worse in the other, you know, mainstream media channels, right? Like the New York Times was taking the stupidest of the rights arguments and debunking those in this podcast, instead of taking, frankly, the most legitimate of the rights arguments and debunking those. And this is what you see over and over and over again, which is so freaking frustrating. So I, I would say like the needle to thread here is, is to me, there's a lot. Yes, systemic racism exists, clearly. There are all sorts of systems and you can I could talk to you about them. There's this, there's a whatever. We don't have to get into that. If somebody did, did Doubt this, feel free to DM me and I can debate it with you. Um, Right. There there are legal systems that have existed and frankly continue to exist that very much clearly disadvantage like black people, People other races, other than than white people. At the same time, to treat it like you are racist because or like you don't believe in systemic racism because you do have problems with some of the specific things being taught in these anti-racism trainings and, and have a problem with everything being reduced to power according to race, which, which is absolutely happening. Um, is, is ridiculous. I mean, we have, you have Kimberly Crenshaw, who we mentioned earlier, as somebody who was a founder of CRT, she coined the term critical race theory and she gave a, a muted response to be fair, but the, the New Yorker interviewed her and, and asked her about some of these anti-racism trainings. And she was like, you know, I see some of these and I think, huh, that's not exactly how I would do it. Right. Like she's even, you know, expressed hesitations around some of these specific trainings. And I think to, to kind of round this out, like, and, and again, this is probably something I'll say over and over again. My biggest problem with Democrats call it considering myself, one of them. And this trickles then into media narratives is that Democrats judge policies based on their intentions rather than their results. And then if you criticize the results, they treat you like you are a critic of the intention. So if I say, hey, I think we should fight systemic racism. I think we should teach about systemic racism, even to kids, though not in math and science classes, which is a whole other thing. You know, there's this, in some of these school districts, you have the idea that things about structural racism need to be taught in every academic discipline. So math and science classes are teaching you about systemic racism, which feels sort of not the point. So if you criticize some of the specific results coming out of these curriculums or saying that 
I don't think this is even actually going to help fight systemic racism. They will tell you, you don't believe systemic racism exists. And that is so frustrating. Um, so we have to be able to have a conversation that both acknowledges systemic racism and has a healthy debate about the, the specifics in certain curriculums. And that is the point. That is why we have two pe- two white people talking about race right now, because we <laughs> have to talk about it. You know, it's like if you don't talk about this, it just bottles up and it's shitty. And I felt, you feel well, it all the time. If you don't talk policy. about this, you just get people who get so ingrained in their own narrative that they don't yeah. realize that the other side is fighting something completely different. You're like, you're yes. not even, you're, you're not arguing on the same plane. We're not arguing about the same things. We're having totally different conversations. And it's so frustrating. It's why a lot of things don't get done because we're not even like on the climate, like you talk, climate change, for example, like we're still debating its existence and severity instead of solving the actual problem. And literally what's so fascinating to me about critical race theory is that Kimberly Crenshaw, one of the, like literally coined the term and invented this essentially, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you her quote because I think it's worthwhile and it's never talked about very often. I'm going to read the full quote. It's like three sentences. She said, a persistent internal critique accuses the movement of straying from its materialist roots. So she talks about material interests and resources like universe-based income and things like that. Straying from its materialist roots and dwelling overly on matters of concern to middle-class minorities, hyphen, microaggressions, racial insults, unconscious discrimination, and affirmative action in higher education. If racial oppression has material and cultural roots, attacking only its ideational and linguistic expression is apt to do little for the underlying structures of inequality, much less the plight of the deeply poor. Simply put, if we talk about the semantics and the words and the verbiage, it's all at this middle class level and maybe on the margins we're doing some good things, but it doesn't change any of the fundamentals. And it's why you and I were always attracted to universal basic income. I would challenge all of you listening to this to feel confident knowing that this debate over critical race theory, and Carla, I make sure I understand you right, is not an actual debate over critical race theory. There's critical race theory and then what we're being taught in schools. And they are converging in a weird way, um, both through our mainstream press and through these conversations. Here's how I would summarize it. I would say there's a debate to be had over what critical race theory is and is it being taught in our schools? Republicans would say, yes, Ibram Kendi and Robin DiAngelo are all derivatives of critical race theory, the original critical race theory and And these curriculums are derivatives of them. So therefore, it's critical race theory. The left would say, no, critical race theory is an academic structure taught in law schools, blah, blah, blah. That to me almost doesn't matter. Who really gives an F if this is critical race theory or not, right? But the Democrats feel like they're kind of trying to make the argument about that as a way to discredit Republicans, right? Like they're saying Republicans are so stupid. They think this is critical race theory and it's not. So that's a big part of the Democratic narrative. And it's like, honestly, it doesn't effing matter. They just pick another term then. And then there's a second debate that is the debate that is, in my opinion, not being had as much, which is what should these curriculums look like? And the right has just smeared them wholesale, which is ridiculous. And so you have, they've successfully used the term critical race theory to fear monger about teaching kids about systemic racism. And that's wrong. And But then the left won't actually engage with or acknowledge, hey, some of the stuff that is being taught does feel like it's frankly counterproductive. Like it it, it makes everything about race to a nine-year-old in a way that 
may or may not really be beneficial. And the left won't really engage with any of those micro specifics about what's being taught. When they talk about it, it's very broad level. We're just teaching about systemic racism. So those are the two debates. What is critical race theory? Is that what's being taught in schools? My answer to that is who gives a fuck? And then what are we teaching kids in schools and what is the curriculum here? And this is the conversation that we should all be looking for more often and, and tracking much more closely. And by the way, we should not be banning critical race theory like as a, as a big proponent of call it free speech and somebody who's critical of the Democrats on that front, Republicans effort to like ban what they are considering critical race theory is, is absolutely alarming to me. And just goes to show we've like lost all ideological core to these parties. The fact that Republicans who are like anti big government, anti government involvement, et cetera, et cetera, now want the government to get involved to silence what they don't like is like just, just, peak hypocrisy and absurdity, in my opinion. I'm with you that usually banning anything um, tends to not be great for free speech and um, tends to be difficult to enforce and actually has that counter effect in the people more interested in what you're trying to ban. Um, um, I I would say this. I think the good news is for those of you listening who maybe have kids, it does appear that our local representatives are still very, very reactive to their constituents. And I felt that when, I, when we were running for president, when we were running for mayor. I do think like when they get calls and complaints, they are, um, they feel that they have to be responsive. Um, so I do think that the fact that there are wars in these local communities is probably, ignore the mainstream narrative. I imagine this is a good thing to be talking about. And that's where they get settled. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't love the concept of teaching a child that being competitive is a form of racist white privilege or, or hateful. Um, and, I, and I think most people actually agree with that. And the, and again, the problem is that you have Republicans painting it like that's all these curriculums are, which from what I can see is not true at all. And Democrats ignoring that any part of the curriculum is that, which is also not true. Um, and, you know, for example, I mean, because I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this seem like it's just the Democrats who are, are the problem here, which like, like Loudoun County, there was a narrative that they were like banning advanced math courses for the sake of equity, which was a, a, a that's not happening. Loudoun County that. was, was changing the, was changing their math curriculum structure in a variety of ways, but it, that got misconstrued as they're banning advanced math, but that was not actually the case. Um, and it became this very popular narrative. Got it. So Carla, let me ask you this as a good way to wrap this conversation. Um, how does this play out? Are we going to see um, different schools adopt various versions of, of CRT? Is this going to die when the next new polarizing issue comes up? What do you think happens? Well, again, Democrats will yell at you if you say schools are adopting CRT because they, according to Democrats, they're not sure, adopting you, CRT. Whatever and I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. So this is yes. why I get like, so, you know, <laughs> I actually, I like the term John McWhorter, who everyone should check out is yeah. a, a black thinker, scholar. I don't know what his actual technical does he teach a job title is. I don't think, I don't know if McWhorter does. Anyways, he's ter- coined a term. I believe he coined it. Um, he calls it third wave anti-racism. At, sorry. John McWhorter teaches at Columbia. Keep going. Great. Um, that's a, a, a plus for Columbia. So John McWhorter has coined this term third wave anti-racism. And I think, you know, it's like, great, maybe we should just call all of this that like <laughs> third wave anti-racism curriculums. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely go. I think you're going to see this. You're going to see a continuation of exactly what you're seeing right now, which is you have 
southern and midwestern states um, banning it. And to the extent that it's not banned, it is treated as so toxic that you don't see it being taught. And then you have northern and coastal states uh, very much continuing to, and especially elite schools, continuing to include third wave anti-racism ideas into their curriculums. Um, and, and I think the ideal blend is that you, you kind of teach that there are a variety of opinions on things like, right. Like when you're teaching American history, one of the debates has been, do you teach the 1619 version, which is this, you know, the controversial New York times piece about the 1619 project, or do you teach the 1776 version, which is, you know, we started in 1776. And I think, heck, like teach, teach that there's disagreements around it and kind of show both sides and let students learn to think critically and, and make up their own minds about it. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's where we're going to land as often. <laughs> I don't think we're going to land with uh, as often with um, kind of let's teach, let's teach all of it because both sides are treating the other side's perspective as though it, it, it is an existential threat. Republicans are saying, you know, um, America is existentially threatened by this critical race theory stuff. And Democrats are saying America is existentially threatened by not grappling with our racist roots. And we are going to just continue to perpetuate racism so long as we don't singularly ascribe to this third wave anti-racism ideology. I do think that's kind of where we're trending, where you're going to start to see like very different, maybe even at times fundamentally different education systems, um, depending where you are in the country. That's where I believe this is going. We need to teach students to think critically. And that's the biggest thing is to, to create independent minded youths. And what I'm challenging all of us to listen on this podcast, and we're going to do our best. We're going to work our ass off to help you tune back in. So when these do come up in your lives, your community, at the kitchen table, you're talking to your kid, you are able to articulate your critical response. Carly Riley, thank you for being smarter than me. And most, <laughs> no offense to anybody listening, probably more smarter than most people listening. I'm oh, always goodness. fascinated by the way you can articulate these things from both sides of, um, frankly, the political spectrum. This has been your Thursday update on Yang Speaks. Thank you all for joining. Follow us on Twitter at Zach Grauman or at Carly P. Riley. Nailed it. Yeah, we're there. I'm actually Zach underscore Grauman. I think Zach Grauman was taken by me in middle school and I don't know how to unlock it. It's a, oh, that's a funny. disaster. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Follow me on Instagram too. I'm trying to like Instagram promote these things. And I'm also Carly on. P. Riley on Instagram. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Take care.